1 Corinthians, my message is called chosen. Turn to your neighbor and just say, I'm chosen. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I am chosen. Someone tell them. Now, right now, it's cold and snowy outside. I didn't know if we're going to have a crowd at all. So we are considered the chosen frozen. Come on, someone say amen. But we're here. We're here. We're here. We're here. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Let's find out what God's saying here. For, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to flesh. Now, this is going to be interesting because those of you that feel called, this is not very flattering about you. I know I'm called. It's not very flattering to me, but look what the book says about this. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Wow. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things are things that are beneath of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen, and the things which are not, God chooses to bring to nothing the things that are. And here's his reasoning, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Come on, somebody. God deserves all the glory, no matter what's going on in our world and our life. Now, I would not choose this way, you understand, and probably you wouldn't either. If we're choosing a team to do something great, we want the most talented, the most gifted people we can find, right? Because after all, we're doing something that's serious and something that's engaging, and we need the help. And so we're going to try to find the greatest talent we can. God doesn't look at talent. You are talented, but he doesn't look at talent the way the world looks at talent. God has a way of seeing something that is not to bring to nothing that which is. God can pick and choose differently. In other words, while the world looks for greatness in what's already great, God hides greatness in what is ordinary. So tap your neighbor and say, I may be ordinary, but I'm great. Come on. Why? Because when greatness comes out of greatness, nobody gives God the glory. But when greatness comes out of weakness, everybody shakes their head and says, only God could do something like that. Am I right about that, church? And we've seen it. Haven't you seen that before? You went, my God, they said they were going to do it, but I didn't know if that was going to happen or not. And look at what happened. I know they ain't smart enough to do that. Only God could have done something like that. Therefore, God gets the glory because nobody could discern that there was greatness in there but God and God alone. And you may feel like a loser. You may feel like nobody, that you don't matter. You may feel like an outcast or even a misfit. But God sees greatness and he sees anointing and value on the inside of you. Don't give up. But when greatness comes out of weakness... Then we say, God. But when it comes out of greatness, hard. Because we think, well, there must have been smart enough to, or great enough to get the job done. Think about it. Dirt is just dirt. But right below the surface. Come on. How many of the Beverly Hillbillies? I listened to a story about a man named Jet. Now, what, what did he find? He found what? Gold. Black gold. Come on, somebody. Texas tea. Where was it? Y'all know the song. Move away from there. <laughs> and what happened was he, in other words, he became very wealthy. Why? Because beneath the surface of the ground, unbeknownst to anybody, a hillbilly. Uneducated. Not a high IQ. Come on, somebody. But below his property was a whole oil well. Come on, somebody. 
And they didn't see it, but there was value there. Also, there's value in the dirt. You'll find gold in that dirt. You'll find diamonds in that dirt. Platinum, everything you need is in that dirt. Why? There's value in things that you can't see. When you don't recognize your potential, though, when you don't understand who you are, the value of you, and what God created you to be, you will ultimately feel out of place wherever you are and wherever you go. Why? You will lack the confidence. You will feel like a misfit. You don't quite fit in. I'm comfortable around misfits. I remember 20-some years ago, and it was before the church ever began, this church. It was in the 90s. And a prophet pulled my, that's why I say you got to come to Glenn Miller. Because there's, he has an assignment. And there's things that a prophet can do that not everybody else can do. He pulled us out of a crowd. And he said, said these words. He said, I see you starting a church. And he said, and he says, and God says, I'm going to send you my misfits. My God, as he did that. Not good English, but he did. Come on, somebody. And we've seen it time and time again. And he said, but don't brag about that. He said, because they'll call you Captain Misfit. Well, sure, I like that too much. But I'm here to tell you, that's why God gave my wife and I this verse of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 61 and verse number 1. And this is the mission and the purpose of the vision of this church. And by the way, if you want to know more about our church and become a member of our church, sign up before you leave in the, in the, in the, in the lobby. And you'll find them right there in the kiosk. And sign up for something called Growth Track. It's a class you'll take. It's awesome. You'll love it. You'll enjoy it very much. Meet some people. And it's, it's very, very encouraging. Um, but that's how you join our church and become a part of our church. But this is what they'll show, share with you. Isaiah 61. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. There's an assignment here to proclaim the liberty to the captives, the open of the prison of those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. This is what we've endeavored to do since 1999 to comfort all who mourn to console those who mourn in zion to give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called the trees of righteousness the planting of the lord that he god may be glorified god gets glory in the misfits god gets glory in the people that are mourning those that are in despair those that don't fit in those that are brokenhearted those that come on y'all we're not supposed to throw people away when they come into the house of god if they got a spirit of heaviness we give them a garment of praise if they're coming mourning and grief, we give them the oil of the joy. If they come in, their lives have been burnt to ashes. We give them beauty. In other words, we give them some vision for their life. And we call them something that they be not as though they were. A tree of righteousness. They might come in as a misfit, but they're going to fit perfectly when God is done right into the kingdom of God. Everybody say, I'm glad to be a misfit. That way. Say, that way. I fit in to God's plan. Yeah, and then they raise up the form of desolation. They repair the ruins of cities and so on. They do the work of the ministry. Listen, once you know that there is something about you that is great, you will never be able to shake that the rest of your life. You'll know that you know that you know there's greatness in you. You'll know it by revelation, and that's why it's hard. Because your life isn't lining up to the greatness that's in you. And there's a deep frustration. You start going, maybe it's not true. Hang on to the truth of who you are. 
Because everything's got to change and be rearranged to the truth of who you are. I'm preaching better than y'all want to shout. You're just looking at me. Taking notes? What's going on over there? Praise God. Am I right about it, church? In other words, in other words, we go through these seasons of contradictions where things are not lining up. And we know there's something in us because we've seen it, we prayed about it, we've got confirmation about it. But every time we attempt to do it, it's like every door begins to slam shut. Am I talking to the right crowd today? But we got to recognize and understand that if we're easy, anybody else could do it. But God chose you. God chose you because he knows you're able to walk through the process. Once you get this thing turned on inside of you of who you are, the purpose of your everything in you changes and you can't turn it off. Abram was a wealthy young man, lived to be an old man, still wealthy, but not operating in his purpose. He did not until God came to him and said, leave your family and your friends and kindred. He said, follow me and I'll show you a hand. I'll show you a city rather as builder and makers uh, was by the hand of God and not by man. And so he said, I'll do it. He followed God out into the wilderness to find this place. And he changed his name from Abram, God did, from Abram to Abraham, a father of a multitude. When you get purpose, it changes who you are. It changes your identity. And even though your folks may have named you a certain way, not talking about your name name, talking about the names they've said over you. Because they didn't understand the greatness that's inside you. They didn't see the value that's in you. Just like Jesse never saw the value in David. But God saw the greatness. God saw the value. And, and he, he, he caused David to become king of Israel. So just because your folks didn't see it doesn't mean God doesn't. He does. Hang in there. Don't quit. Don't give up. Persevere. Abram became Abraham, a father of a multitude. You know people looked at him crazy. 100 years old, no children. Yet he's telling everybody, I'm a father of a multitude, a father of a nation. Greatness on some level will require that kind of foolishness. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're not ready to be a fool for Christ, you'll never find your destiny. I'm not saying being a, I'm not talking about being a joke. I'm talking about nobody may understand you. You may look like an idiot and a fool, but you know you're hanging on to God's dear promises and you're not letting go. Abraham called those things that be not as though they were. That was his specialty. And he had to do that for years and years and years and years. It's foolish to talk about a future that hasn't arrived yet. But we do it all the time, don't we? We do it whether it's good or whether it's bad. We're just doing it constantly. That's why Jesus said, you got to watch the words that you speak. Matthew 12, 33, either make the tree, Jesus said, good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. 
it might seem foolish, but how important are your words? The Bible says you're either justified by them or you're condemned by them. But whatever you speak, that's the tree you're producing, which produces the fruit. And by the way, he said you'll know them by their, which means what? We know you by what your life produces. Well, I'm a pear tree. Honey, you got apples on you. I don't care what it looks like. No, you've got apples on you. You got to change the root system. You got to change what's going on beneath. Come on, somebody. And then you see the blessing of the change that happens on the up, upwards above what's happening on the surface. Church, he said, you'll know them by their fruits. Listen to this. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus said, by your words you're justified, by your words you're condemned. Life and death by the power. So what are you choosing today? What do you choose? Death or life. And those who love it or embrace it will eat its fruit. What are you talking about? What are you praying about? Are you complaining more than you're praying? Are you declaring what is right rather than what is wrong? What is it you're saying? Because our words open the door to the future of our life. It is a pathway. Now, most of you have heard my story a thousand times, probably tell it better than me, but true story. And our church was young, about three years of age, and we were confessing, believing God for a building, had it up on our little screens, and everybody confessed it every Thursday night, every Sunday morning. That was way back in, uh, 19, back in 2000, 2001, something around there. And so we started confessing that. We were, up, we, were in a, uh, we were in a school building at the time in a children's theater that was above. You had to go two flights of stairs to get to it. And that's what we had for our church service. And um, we were confessing, believe God. And one day I was driving past this location, and I, it was, this used to be a Marcus Theater. So there was a sixplex theater. Many of you remember that. You probably went to movies here. And, um, and so it had a for sale sign and a, or for lease sign on the corner of the building over there. And I drove by and said, my God. Oh, that building, oh, that would be fantastic. It's got parking, it's, it's big, we can grow into it, and it's a theater, and we do theater. This would be fantastic. So I, I drove, I came back around here. I thought, first, I, we can't get this. And God spoke to me and said, uh, uh, who told you that? Go back and claim it. So I spun around, came back in here. It was raining. I got out of my truck or my van. I got out, and I looked inside. I thought, oh, this would be perfect. And God told me, claim it. I claimed the building. I claimed this building. I claimed it. And I felt like God had given us this, but I just felt in my spirit this was ours. So the Lord told me, instructed me, said, go back to the church and tell the church you've got a building. He said, absolutely. I'm going to tell the church we got a, we got a building by faith. Because I was teaching on faith. And I heard the Lord say, by what? I'm not, that's how God talked to me. By what? I said, by faith. And I knew, I knew what he was saying. He said, aren't you giving yourself a bit of a cop out? Either that's your building or it's not your building. Either you're going to say it's yours or it's not yours. Which one's, one's going to be? So I said, yes, sir, you're right. He said, now go up there and tell the people you got a building. I said, yep, I'm going to get up there and tell the people we got a building, so let's pray about it. And I'm going to tell them why we don't have the building. Basically, we're praying about it to tell them why we don't have it yet, but we will have it in the name of Jesus. Same thing is by faith. Come on, somebody. We're saying the same thing. All semantics. And I'm trying to get myself out of it. I want to tell them, but I don't want to commit all the way. Why? Just in case it doesn't happen, then I don't look like an idiot. 
I said you're going to have to learn to be foolish for Christ. Foolish for Christ. So I got to the church, and it's a Thursday night, and, and it's good service and stuff. And, and so I get up there, and I'm going, oh, man. Lord's like, first thing I'm, I'm going to tell him, i got a building. So I get up to go to, to, the, to the, the, the uh, pulpit. And I get up there, and here it comes. I said, everybody, I want everybody to know, you know, that um, and I'm going, oh, God. I gulped hard, man. I'm swallowing air. I'm going, okay. I want everybody to know that uh, we've been praying and prophesying and confessing about a building. I want you to know, we got it. We got the building. The place goes nuts. They're going crazy like we did that second song, but crazier. I mean, people on chairs running. I mean, they're going wild. And while they're celebrating, I'm up there swallowing my, 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 I could feel my heart sinking down in my stomach. I'm thinking, got to get out of here. Got to get out of here. Preach and get out of here because they're going to ask you a bunch of questions and I don't have any answers. Just run, run, run. So I get through the message somehow and we go. I get here to the building. I thought, well, let's drive by the building before we go home. And, um, and so uh, we were going to stop at Rocky Rococo's to get some drink. So we drive in, going through the drive through talking about the building come around this side, and all of a sudden, I see 20-some people come around the corner. This was at 10 o'clock at night. Come around the corner out of the darkness, just out of the darkness, these creatures just walking around. And they, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, as they're coming around, they're going, wait a second, who is it? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Those are our people. The word got out because I told one person, just one per- That's why I could be careful. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell them. The word got out what building it was. They found out about it. They came and got a Jericho march and started walking around the building seven times to claim it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Pastor Rob goes, oh, that's nice. Should we go and say hi? I said, heck, no way you're saying hi. Get out of here. And we left. That was it. it was in the, that, 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 was your faith, that was your faith-filled leader right there, praise God. But I, I had to begin to accept it publicly. I, I, I went there and I said, Lord, uh, I want to get out of this. I just want to tell them we're doing this by faith. But God said, either you're going to believe me or you're not going to believe me. Either this is what I'm telling you to do or it's not what I'm telling you to do. And if it's not what I'm telling you to do and you fall on your face, you can repent. Hallelujah. Tell everybody you missed it. Amen. And you'll try harder the next time. Everybody wants their pastors to be right all the time. Sorry, we're not. Amen. So did I feel like a fool? Of course I did. But unless you're willing to get in that place of faith where it's total trust with God, you'll never see the purpose of who you are come to pass. Last part I want to bring with you. Matthew chapter 22, verse 14, Jesus said, For many are called, but few are chosen. That's our message today. Many are called, but few are chosen. When you break this down in the Greek, called means assignment. Chosen means accepted. When you put it together, it means, it says this, many have been given assignments, but few accept them. And why is that? Because they don't see their significance. Therefore, they don't accept their assignment. If you don't believe that God can give you something that's so valuable, you'll never accept it in the first place. Let me just give you a little hint about God. When God chooses you and then gives you an assignment, the assignment's bigger than what you can handle. The way you know it's the Lord is usually because it's bigger than you. 
So it's going to require God to get it done. What's the deal with y'all? Y'all just looking at me today. What's the deal? It's not that cold outside, is it? No, when I'm preaching like this, y'all shouting at me. Or it's hitting home. Or it's hitting home. Because you feel like there's greatness, but you're not seeing it. It may be because you've not accepted the assignment he gives you. So why are there so few that are chosen? Or put another way, why do so few accept their calling or their assignment? Here it is, Isaiah 48.10. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you, chosen you, accepted you in the furnace of affliction. The reason why most people don't receive their assignment is because the heat of the furnace of affliction gets turned up and most people can't stand the heat because the heat will weed out who's really willing to accept the assignment and who's willing not to accept the assignment. It's going to take a total trust and commitment to God to see it through. And if that's the case, he's going to cause you to go through a period in your life where it's not going to be easy. But in fact, it's going to be very difficult. But here's the good news about the furnace of affliction. Because that's where God chooses his warriors. Let me tell you about the first one. And we all go through it. It's whether we pass the test or not. We're either going to get burned up or refined. We're all going to go through it anyways. But here's the good news about it. When God chooses for assignment, to be in the furnace is not meant to be long. It's not meant for you to stay long. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come on somebody. They were only in there long enough to burn up the things that were binding them in the first place. And enough time for Jesus to walk into their life. God bless you guys. Thank you for coming. Bless you. So, What am I telling you? I'm telling you this. The truth of God's word is, if you're going to have God use you and he chooses you, it's going to require God to get you through the process. The good news is, you can always, always bank on him. Did y'all enjoy the word today? Y'all enjoy that?